You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. This is your co-host, Danny. And we have a fun-filled show for you today. We're actually going to talk about football um, in terms of two teams in particular, uh, one being the Atlanta Falcons, that's Danny's squad, and uh, the other being the Green Bay Packers, uh, that's my squad. So uh, we'll go ahead and talk about um, how we feel the teams are shaped for this season. Um, the actual draft, uh, and then also uh, we thought about free agency. Uh, and then we'll go into a interesting trading card scenario, that being Patrick Mahomes against Joe Montana. So stay tuned. We'll go ahead and get started. Uh, Danny, why don't you go ahead and get started about your Atlanta Falcons? The Atlanta Falcons had an interesting offseason, not only from their team's perspective, but also in the division. Starting with their offseason, the free agency market was pretty good to them, actually, I think. And they made some interesting trades as well to upgrade their defense and offense. A couple moves they made, Ty Gurley with Devontae Freeman being cut, bringing him in on a 5 to $6 million contract. You bring in Hayden Hurst from the Baltimore Ravens. So that solidifies the tight end position with Austin Hooper being let go in free agency. And then you bring in Dante Fowler on the defensive line. They needed somebody with some dog in him, and Dante Fowler is that dude. So I'm hoping with some of those moves, that puts him in a better position to contend next year or this upcoming season. When you think about it, their offense is pretty good. It's the offensive coordinator that's been in question in their offensive line. The other thing I'm banking on this upcoming season is their offensive line will be healthy. They haven't been healthy since the Super Bowl run when we fell apart and lost 28-3 to the New England Patriots. And <laughs> I hate to even bring that up. Man, I'm, so, I'm surprised you brought that up. Yeah, I was about to say. Go ahead. <laughs> it's, ther- it's therapeutic. So, uh, so that being said, if the offensive line can be healthy – We have enough weapons, I believe, on the offensive side of the ball. And then with the draft, they addressed the defense. I thought some of their picks were reaches, but it was more not necessarily from a talent standpoint. It was more they could have fell back and picked up some more draft picks. For example, their first-round pick, Terrell, I think they could have moved back maybe six or seven spots and got picked, still picked him as a a cornerback because there were teams that were vying for position – for example, I thought the field, they could trade with like the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. where there were some receivers in their spot, C.D. Lamb, for example, who fell to the Cowboys, where the Eagles could have leapfrogged and we could have fell back and still got thrilled. The second round pick, my guy from Auburn, Marion Davidson. He's going to be a monster out there. So I like that pick. And then a few of the other picks they made, I just thought they could have fell back and compiled some more picks. They were strong selections, but they could have just fell back compile more picks or got some for next year where they could have still got these guys, maybe five, 10, 15 picks down the road. I thought it was more of a, from a draft perspective, more of a needs draft Mm -hmm. than anything because they didn't get any offense because they didn't need any offense. 
It was more their defense they needed to address because they lost the cornerbacks, like Trufant, for example. So it would be, we'll get to some of the other moves that the, some of the other teams made after you give your little Green Bay Packer analysis that, so. Well, wait a second, man. Why well, I gotta be little, man? <laughs> I gotta be little. He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to throw in that slide shade up in there, man. Well, I I I'll say this about about the Green Bay Packers, man. I'm going, I'm just going to go straight to the draft. Everybody done heard about it. I I'm going, I'm not going to run from it. That's not what we do here on the Back Porch Talk podcast. Look here, man. Jordan Love. It, this is nothing against Jordan Love. Uh, when the Packers lost against the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game, you saw the frustration that Aaron Rodgers actually had. Uh, he had that frustration because, one, he only had one person to really throw the ball to, and that was Devontae Adams. And so when you only have one person to throw the ball to, naturally defenses are going to actually, you know, either double team team him or be more aggressive to really kind of shut that side of the field down. Or, or wherever he d- decides to go, they know, okay, we need to focus in and concentrate on Devontae Adams. Uh, I think with that, and you, know, you can also say that the Packers needed to address some things um, on defense. But to help the defense, you can better your offense um, to where they can stay on the field uh, a little bit longer. Uh, they can give your defense a little bit more rest, uh, time to compose themselves. And I think that was what everybody thought um, the Packers would do, um, especially it being in a deep why uh, being a deep wide receiving group in the NFL draft. I pulled up some interesting stats. Devontae Adams, his combine 40 speed, 4.56. Devontae Adams is 6'1. Alan Lazard, he's uh, six foot, about four or five inches tall, right? His combine 40 speed, 4.55. Devin Funches, who the Packers actually picked up in uh, free agency. And some would even say he he would act more as a uh, tight end as opposed to a wide receiver, but uh, he catch passes. Uh, didn't play a whole lot last year, but he's six four. He ran a four point five in the combine at the Michigan Pro Day. Marquise uh, Valdez Scantling, six four, ran a combine speed of four point three seven. So that's that may be your speed your speed receiver, but at the same token, he didn't really do a whole lot last year. My point is, and I think what Aaron Rodgers' frustration is, as you look at him when he plays, is that the wide receivers, they don't separate. We need some speed. I recall um, Bruce Arians when he was coaching the Arizona Cardinals and when we uh, went down there in the playoff game. And one of his post-game comments was, uh, that he really didn't, I'm paraphrasing, he really didn't worry too much about uh, the wide receivers because we didn't have a lot of speed. So that was, that's been several years ago. And the fact that we still have not have addressed any type of speed at the wide receiver uh, position is absolutely atrocious. In order for us 
to really get over the hump, we need speed. Just for comparison's sake, since we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons, and we can look at their wide receiving crew, uh, Julio Jones, 6'3", 220, combine speed, 4.39, and he ran a 4.39 on a broken foot. Calvin Ridley, 6'1", 190, 4.44 combine speed. My point is we are at the point in where we need to give Aaron Rodgers some kind of help. After Jordan Love was drafted, and let me just say we moved up to get Jordan Love. After he was drafted, T. Higgins drafted in the second round. Chase Claypool uh, further on down. Van Jefferson. These were some interesting receivers. T. Higgins, especially, especially, I mean, obviously he was on Clemson Tigers, won a national championship. And looking at his 40 time, he only ran a 4.5, which was really down, which is surprising. But Chase Claypool, 6'4", ran a 4.42. My point is we could have at least gotten a quality, speedy receiver just to kind of break up um, the mode here. We have a bunch of tight ends playing the wide receiver, tight end speed playing the wide receiver position. Devontae Adams is great, primarily because of his route running. A lot of people and a lot of former NFL players, especially wide receivers, they they rave over how Devontae Adams has actually, how he actually runs routes. That's fine and dandy, but we need speed. When you look at all the teams that we're going to be facing uh, this year, it's it's really going to be key uh just to list some names off here or some teams off here uh we're talking about obviously starting off against the minnesota vikings um and then going into detroit i'm not worried about detroit i am worried about the vikings uh and then we go down to new orleans and then we play these this bump team called the atlanta falcons (laughs) um come on man and then we go on a bye and so we have a bye that's relatively early but coming off the bye, we're at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I honestly see with the move that Green Bay has done and with what everybody has seen, what Tom Brady has done in terms of going from the New England Patriots down to Tampa Bay, how Tampa Bay has set their team, especially that offense, uh, apart from everybody else. And I know Tampa Bay is in your division, Danny. They are deep in like every uh, the wide receiving and the tight end positions. They're very deep. They have speed. And when future Hall of Fame quarterback sees another future Hall of Fame quarterback make the move that Tom Brady has made, I I really sense that this may be even the last year for uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I was going to put put it out there. Hey, listen. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers needs to leave the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you heard it here. He needs to leave, man. If if he is going to – if Aaron Rodgers is wanting to win another championship, if Aaron Rodgers would like to um, use that golden arm that he's been blessed with, he's going to have to end up leaving the Green Bay Packers. He's not going to be able to accomplish what he really wants to set out to do with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I am not a fan of um, this LaFleur offense. Uh, yeah, we went, what, 13-3 last year. To me, that was honestly a fluke. I think what we're going to see in this particular season is um, an average team. Um, yes, we'll, we'll win some games, um, but it's not going to be enough to really get us over the hump. And I think what's going to be sprinkled throughout this entire season is that of the wide receiving core. I think a lot of media is going to say, hey, 
We're seeing Aaron out there not happy, not satisfied with with the um, receivers, uh, not being able to separate. How can you um, deal with that? So uh, I just think that uh, what we're witnessing right now is really just a, I don't know, a failing of an organization to really make uh, a future Hall of Famer even better or even to win a championship. Uh, just a little frustrated because uh, what I see in Aaron Rodgers is probably one of the best arms I've seen uh, in NFL history. And I, I just don't think that the Green Bay Packers have done enough to really help him out. Got it. Wouldn't it be an ideal situation for your boy Aaron Rodgers to go out to San Francisco, go back home, take Jimmy G's spot since they keep him on the hot seat no matter what? <laughs> that dude can buy a break for whatever reason. I know he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl, which would have sealed it. Mm-hmm. But I think San Francisco or Tampa Bay, once Tom Brady retires. Exactly. Yep. That's, that's an ideal situation. I can- I can honestly see Aaron Rodgers going down to Tampa Bay after Tom Brady leaves, man. It's a ready-made team. Uh, but, but I would say the ego may get in the way there. If yeah. if Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if they do go even go to the uh, Super Bowl and they don't win, I still think the ego there, I don't know if it would allow uh, Aaron Rodgers to go, to go there. Um, because he would he would want to have his own team per se, you know, hit, create his own legacy there. Um, but I can see him going to I can see him going to San Francisco though. And wouldn't that be something? That's the team where they took Alex Smith in that same draft with Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Yeah, and then yeah. he goes back to give them their Super Bowl that they've been desiring. That's something to think about. I know there's a lot of contractual things going on with Aaron Rodgers right now where it may not make fiscal sense at this point for Green Bay to let him go or trade him due to the new contract he has. Mm-hmm. But in due time, I don't see San Francisco going anywhere anytime soon, man, because they, they're they pretty well set on the cap from the cap perspective. Mm-hmm. And they keep Jimmy G on the hot seat every day. <laughs> so... Look here, man. What about these new uniforms? They've kind of grown on me over time. I know when they first were released, there was some feedback that was given on. They weren't good. It was pretty. Let's put it like that. With the red, black, and and the white, man, you can't go wrong. So here we go. But here's the thing, man. With the Falcons, and just coming back to what we were talking about earlier. They need to be healthy in order to be successful. They haven't been healthy since that Super Bowl championship game, mentally or physically. Whatever they're wearing, as long as they're winning, I can get past it. The black is kind of tight, though. The black on black. Pretty tight. I, I give it's pretty I'll slick. Give you I'll give you so that. I'm hoping, man, that with all the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now, possibly about to get Devontae Freeman. That's a rumor. They're going to be loaded. And we have right now, based on the experts, we have the third hardest schedule again 
so we can't buy a break from the scheduling perspective. So it's a gauntlet from Jump Street. I think just just a matter of New Orleans is going to be good. Tampa Bay is going to be good. Carolina may be sneaky good. Bridgewater, he's a consistent player. They don't have a lot of receivers and their defense is, I don't know, but they could be sneaky mm-hmm. good. So it's not like we get games off. And at the end of the season, we play Tampa and New Orleans four out of the last six games, two each, home and away. So the scheduling folks were not nice to us at all. But with the additions we had in the offseason that I mentioned earlier, our offensive line being healthy, our defense with uh, Quinn handing that over to the defensive coordinator, and not him recalling the defense. And what happened last year, once he handed that over, they're six and two. Yeah, true, true. So now you have an off season. Obviously, it's going to be questionable with the COVID thing, how this all works out. Mm-hmm. But if they can stay consistent and play that defense they were playing at the end of the year, I can see us optimistically being 10 and six. I don't think that, I don't know if that gets us into the playoffs. Because the San Francisco division, Arizona's going to be better. Mm-hmm. Seattle's going to, you know, they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. San Fran's going to be good. Mm-hmm. The Rams, you don't even know, they could be good or, but. New, new stadium too. Yeah. The Packers division's a layup line. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. The North division, in my opinion, is between the Vikings and the Packers. And the Lions did some interesting, made some interesting moves. So they may be one of those teams that out the blue, mm-hmm. they're one of those teams that make the playoffs, but Detroit's been snake bitten more than any other team. So <laughs> it's hard to say with them because last year they started off hot yeah. and then they just fell apart. Fell apart. Mm-hmm. And then with Philadelphia, I think they'll be decent. The yeah. Giants, Dallas is going to be good. So mm-hmm. it's going to be hard to get in the playoffs. Like I said, 10 and 6 may not even get you in, but mm-hmm. if they're healthy, I think we can be at least 10 and 6. I'm saying it'll be cool just to see Brady in our division. We have some <laughs> unfinished business with him to take care of. So it'll be nice to uh, knock him down in our division at the end of the year. Well- Well, you know, I, I would say I'm interested really to see that that game, the Falcons-Buccaneers game, purely because I, I think when you think about pass catchers or wide receivers, that's going to be a high-octane game. Yes. Uh, it really is. Uh, and so I, I think that th- that matchup would be great. Uh, I'm actually looking for more – more so forward to that game or set of games versus even that of your major rival there with the Saints. And I'll just say this, I, I, with the Saints locker room uh, right now, we don't know how things will shake out uh, for this season. Um, I don't know if if it's really that as fractured uh, to the point of no repair. I'm really interested to in seeing the Buccaneers and the Falcons purely because of the high octane offense and just the matchup, the chess pieces that is going to be really had uh, between a, a pretty decent defense, both teams kind of have, but really just the offense. Um, how's how? I mean, how's Brady really going to really 
acclimate to the new NFC South, if you will. So this is going to be really, really interesting. I'm really looking forward to that matchup. I'm also looking forward to uh, the Packers Falcons matchup and also the Packers Tampa Bay matchup purely because I think what this is, what those two games would do. And I'm glad that it's, it's early on too. I think it's going to really highlight the lack of speed that the Packers have on the offensive side, especially uh, with the wide receivers. And then, and I, I really, you can, I think you'll, you'll be able to tell really you have the Packers offense and then you have the Atlanta Falcons offense, totally different offenses. Right. But when you think about the Falcons offense, it was, it, it seemed like it was similar to what, the Packers had at one point in time. Remember when, when Aaron Rodgers were, you know, was just lighting them up, throwing the ball, you know, left and right. I mean, he had that golden arm. I think that's what really Aaron Rodgers actually misses the speed of it. And just the fact that you had so many weapons to where you couldn't really choose who to defend at what point in time, whatever the case may be, it caused a huge matchup problem in which I think Tampa Bay is is really going to have. They're going to have so many matchup problems for defenses, opposing defenses, that uh, you don't know who you're going to really be able to guard. I mean, it's just going to be so much. And Bruce Arians is a, a, has a great um, mindset, too. So this is going to be really interesting in NFC South. Yeah, man. And another thing, we get to actually play in Green Bay in October and not December. Man, this is the first time in I don't know how long. Because every time we have to go to Green Bay, it's in December. I've been there. It's usually like 20 and blowing winds and some snow. But at least we play them in October. We have a better chance of possibly winning because we haven't won there in a while. And then you can see that speed from our side, too, where you don't get to see that in December. Shaping up to be an interesting season. Hopefully this COVID stuff stays down where the season can play. Mm-hmm. And we can see it. All right. So now to the trading scenario for today, we have Patrick Mahomes and Joe Montana. So today we're talking Joe Montana, 1981 tops rookie card for Patrick Mahomes 2017 Panini rookie card. Jason, with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Montana, you have those rookie cards. We're talking today, fresh off the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, you have the legend in Joe Montana undefeated in the Super Bowls. I said Joe Montana undefeated in the Super Bowls. Okay, speak on it. Patrick Mahomes just won a Super Bowl. Montana had all his glory with the 49ers and with Jerry Rice, Roger Craig, and the crew. You have these two cards here. And I say I have Patrick Mahomes. You have Joe Montana. Which card do you want in your portfolio? How, how many Super Bowl wins does Joe, does Joe Montana have? Four. How many does Patrick Mahomes have? One. What's greater? <laughs> Joe Montana, man. Joe Montana. All right. So, so here's the thing where we're looking at different eras, you know, historically, even in basketball and other sports, we always talk about who's better. And we we always look at the different eras 
in basketball, you have one area where it's more defensive minded, uh, it's a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more physical than what we currently have right now. Uh, the same thing can, get, can be really said about the NFL and where in the NFL back then, it was more uh, physical, um, especially in the secondary. So the fact that Joe Montana got four Super Bowls, um, not only that, but when you talk about the West Coast offense, the offense that right now really everybody use, uses in, in some form or fashion, it started with the San Francisco 49ers and Bill Walsh. You yes. talk about Andy Reid. Andy Reid, let's look at where he started. He started in Green Bay, where Green Bay actually, with Brett Favre, ran a West Coast offense. When you, when you talk about the West Coast offense, it is the San Francisco 49ers, and it was led by Joe Montana. So much so that at the time, I mean, the 80s was dominant, dominated by the 49ers. Um, yes. Not only that, four Super Bowl rings and in a Super Bowl against the Cincinnati Bengals won it with like 16 seconds left on the clock. So he, he took, he took that last drive and took them down the field. So those nostalgic moments, those high pressure moments. And I mean, Joe cool is his nickname is there for a reason, man. So with that, I mean, you're talking about the number of Pro Bowls that Joe Montana has, all-decade team. I mean, the list goes on and on in terms of the accolades that Joe Montana has. He doesn't have the amount of yards that Patrick Mahomes has or will be getting because, obviously, the different eras. I mean, when you talk about the the amount of yards um, and everything for Joe Montana, I mean, we're looking at his top – the top number of yards was 3,944 yards and that was in 90. So uh, the game is different, but nonetheless, I'm going with Joe Montana because of the stats and everything. Now here's the thing. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes may have more value for the card and yeah, he's going to have a whole lot more yards, more touchdowns. He already has a, a NFL MVP in his, his back pocket. They're highly uh, ranked to possibly go back to the bowl. Four is still greater than one. Someone who's, who started the West Coast offense and led the West Coast offense, I mean, that's football history, though. Yes. I mean, that's something that you really can't take away, man. And before there was a Tom Brady, the GOAT everybody was really catching from a quarterback perspective was that of Joe Montana. I'm going Joe Montana, man. I'm taking Joe Montana's card. Here's the deal, man. So if I'm sitting here, I'm looking at what we have. Patrick Mahomes, the arrow's pointing up, right? Barring any injury, saying he keeps the team the same, stuff like that from a just a pure quarterback perspective. Like you said, the stats are going to be there. He bailed them out on that run to the Super Bowl. Obviously, yeah, I help. I'm not going to say he did it all by himself, but because Damian Williams had, I thought he should have got the MVP of the Super Bowl, actually. Mm-hmm. He has the charisma. He he seems to be a clean-cut dude, so you don't see his value of his car going down anytime soon. My problem is with taking Mahomes' car, I think it's going to hold value. I think it'll be steady. But once he gets his contract, if he gets the contract he's about 
they're talking, rumored to be getting. The team around him, how are they going to keep the team around him in order to achieve more Super Bowl? All that being said, I'm sitting there on the back porch, and we sitting here looking at the Beckett guy. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Beckett. Checking the value of the cards. I have to agree with you, Jason, on this. I'm taking Joe Montana's card, partly due to, like you mentioned, this nostalgia piece. That was one of the most coveted cards when you went to a trade show. Get that thing, man. And Mahomes is the same way right now. These Panini cards are mm-hmm. very rare and they have great value. So, but it's something about having that Montana card that I'm gonna have to go Joe Montana in this and actually agree with you. As difficult as it is. So if I had the Mahomes card, I would try somehow, some way to get the Montana card <laughs> out of you. Maybe I would throw in like a Steve Young, <laughs> you know, sweeten the pot a little bit or someone recently like Matt Ryan. Maybe throw Matt Ryan's rookie card with Mahomes rookie card and see if you would go for that. <laughs> since, we're talking, since we're talking Falcons and Packers. But straight up one for one at this point in time, I would also take Joe Montana's rookie card. I really wanted to save my homes just based on how everything's projecting and the type of person he seems to be on the outside, dealing with the media, dealing with his teammates, you know, great locker room guy. Maybe if we did this, we ran the scenario in two years, see how Mahomes, if they got that another Super Bowl or two. Maybe I might change my mind, but at this point in time, I'm looking at that Joe Montana rookie card. And if you have it, I'm trying to figure out a way to make this trade so I can have it in my portfolio. Well, there you have it. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.